What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first episode of the Broken Hearts Club. This is me, Frankie Donahue. You know me from 215 Live. Um, you know that side of me. Uh, you're going to hear a different side of me, I think, on this podcast. Um, it's the Broken Hearts Club, and this is kind of for... It, it's a podcast that's... To, we're going to try and bring hope to the broken, you know, the people that... Uh, you know, don't necessarily uh, feel, you know, they're in darkness. They feel like, you know, their life is crushing them and, and people are crushing them and, and, and things are just too much for them and they don't know where to go for help or they're afraid to ask for help or, you know, just they don't want to. Uh, people are afraid. It's, there's a stigma to mental illness. There's a stigma to depression. And, and the goal of this show is to break that break that stigma you know bring it out into the open let's talk about the things that people hide the things that you're too ashamed to talk about the things that you're too embarrassed to talk about um we're going to do that through stories real people getting real raw um on different episodes and uh it's going to start with me tonight and if you saw any of my uh twitter post or my facebook post uh i don't know how this is going to go um i got my uh Best friend John in the studio with me for uh, emotional support. Uh, Taylor's here producing, and hopefully he uh, doesn't make me laugh. Uh, or you know, hopefully if I do lose it, it's in tears and not in laughter this time. That'll be that'll be a good thing. But we'll see how it goes. Um, but I just wanted to start out like right off the bat. This isn't a th- you're not going to hear a therapist on here. You're not going to have like a therapy session. You're not going to. Don't listen to the show if you're looking to figure out how to uh, cure yourself from depression. First of all, there is no cure. Second of all, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diagnose anybody. I'm not gonna put what I think on you. I'm just going to tell you my story. The people that you're gonna hear on the show are gonna tell you their story, and hopefully, it helps people out there that have been going through the same things. Because, like you know, me and John were talking before the show that you know everybody's got something man everybody's got whether they're depressed or just sad and you know there's you know everybody's got something and everybody's been through something and everybody can relate to each other and that's kind of you know what this whole show is going to be about and that's what we're going to do and it's going to start with me um but before we get into me there's um there's a couple of of things i want to put out there the first is if you are sad depressed you're going through a crisis. There's a couple of things, and you can find it on the website at brokenheartsclubpod.com. Um, there's a National Hope Network, the I Am Live chat. Um, a lot of people don't want to call and talk to a person, so there's a chat that you can talk. That you know, it's anonymous chat. Let them know how you're feeling. Um, they'll they'll talk to you as long as you need to talk, and you know they'll be there with you every step of the way. Um, they also have a number. It's 1-800-784-2433. Again, that's the National Hope Network, and their chat is called I Am Alive Chat. Um, you can search that and find them, or you can go to my website and click on it, and it'll take you right to it. Um, another one is a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Now, this is pretty cool because it's 150 local crisis centers uh, worldwide, and they're all trained the same way. Um, so you can give them a call. They're, and all these are 24-7, and their number is one 800 273-8255 so no matter where you're at in the country you'll get somebody local to you which is pretty cool um 
Another one is uh, RAIN. It's the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. Um, this one's kind of uh, close to me, and you'll hear about that as we go through. Um, they are the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. Um, they have a 24-hour chat. It's on it's online.rain.org. Um, or they have a chat in Espanol, which is ohl.rain.org backslash es um again another great organization the other one which is specific to the lgbtq community is the trevor project which started as a documentary and then those guys changed, turned that into a uh, helpline and a project for them and they're the leading national crisis service for the lgbtq community their number is 1-866-488-7386 and of course, as always, nine one one or your local emergency is a great resource if you're in a crisis. Um, so check out those numbers. Check, you know, if you're in a crisis, if you need help, please find it. It's out there. Um, so real quick, I'm gonna take a deep breath before I get started. So everybody, close your eyes and take a deep breath with me. God, I guess I'm gonna get started. John, you can look at me throughout the course of this podcast. Um, just don't make me, just don't throw me out of my groove. So, all right, I'm going to start with my story. Again, I'm not trying to come off like I'm the only person that's gone through something. I just happened to have a platform here on this, on a podcast network. And I felt like my story, if I could help anybody, um, then it would be worth me doing it. Um, I got a lot of, uh, pretty cool feedback when I first announced it and all the way up to today. Um, which was really uh, exciting um, and really cool. A lot of people are accepting it. And, you know, it's been really cool, like, recently, too, that um, a lot of athletes, a lot of celebrities have come out and talked about their own struggles. Just most recently, Philadelphia's own Brian Dawkins, um, you know, came out. And, you know, and, and, and it's important to know that, you know, we're going to talk about depression, we're going to talk about sadness, but more importantly, we're going to talk about the hope that's on the other side of that. And that's, and that's what I don't want to lose on this podcast. If no matter how, what stories we have or how sad it gets or, you know, where this thing goes, I want the whole, I want everybody to know that at the end of the day, it's about hope and there is hope on the other side. And hopefully starting with my story and, and leading to the other stories that we get on the show, we'll be able to, um, to find that hope together. Um, so I'm just going to start. Um, I apologize to anybody who's close to me who's going to hear some stuff that they didn't know about me. Um, but, you know, we're going to get it all out in the open here. So, uh, again, I apologize in advance. But I'm going to start with, um, I don't know if you're, I don't know, like, if you're born with, like, again, I'm not a doctor or a therapist. But, like, I don't know if you're born with a certain thing that causes you to be depressed or if it's, something that happens and then it causes your depression. But I feel like my, and I feel like and something happened in my childhood to me. And, um, I feel like that's where it all started for me now before I don't remember really before that. So, cause I was young, so I'm not sure if I was like depressed before this or not, but I don't think that I was, I thought it was probably a happy go lucky kid. Um, if I can remember, um, I'm sure my mom will tell me that yeah, you're always happy. So, you know, it is what it is. So, all right, here we go. This is the story. Um, I, I told John this before before I get started in the story. I'm not going to, like, 
be specific with dates, I don't think, and I'm not going to name any names. I don't want people trying to guess who and what happened to me and when, so I don't want to offend anybody, and I don't want to... Um, I don't want people out searching for people on my behalf. <laughs> so the last thing I need is like, uh, hey, this person got beat up because this person said that or whatever. So so here we go. All right. So at some point um, in elementary school, um, I, had a, I had a teacher and um, there was... There was a point in, in throughout the school day where, like, at the end of the day, you could, you, you had a couple of minutes where the teacher could have you, not have you, that's the wrong word, where your teacher could, uh, could you were alone with the teacher. Um, so I happened to be in a position one day where I was alone with this teacher. And um, he said to me, he said, y you're failing this grade. Um and we need to go down to the principal and talk about it. So, you know, I'm, a, I'm young, I'm elementary school age, whatever that is, first to, to sixth, uh, for you guessing out there. And um, we, uh, we started walking to the principal's office, and then we got like halfway down the hallway. And he said to me, um, you know that uh, there's a way that we can work this out, you know, without getting the principal and your parents involved. And I guess as a young boy, I'm kind of like, all right, cool. Let's, yeah, I don't know what my words were, but I was, I'm sure I was all for it. Right. Um, you know, who wants to fail and, and face their parents. Right. So, uh, so he goes, all right, well, let's go into the bathroom and we could talk about it. So we go into the bathroom and we go into the stall and it was your classic, uh, elementary school bathroom like he can smell it like I can smell it now as I'm talking about it and I can see like the the beige stalls right like the beige doors and stuff like that um, and we go in there and he says um, you know you cannot tell anybody about this this is between you and me and I'm assuming I agree to that um, and uh, he said uh, pull your pants down um, so I pulled my pants down and, uh, he began touching me. Um, I don't think that, you know, I think I was too young to like become aroused or anything like that. Um, but again, I don't remember a hundred percent. Um, and then, you know, he proceeded to rub my body, um, and then um, he took his pants down and then he began to uh, play with himself, pleasure himself, if, if I can say that. Um, and he did that until he um, finished um, on me, right? So um, that was like um, the initial incident that kind of like put me down this path. Right. And then that same school year, the same situation happened again. Um, except I knew what I was in for the second time. Like I knew it wasn't, I don't even know if he was, I didn't know if I knew he was lying that I wasn't failing or whatever, 
but I just knew that I needed to do this or I was going to be in trouble somehow. Like I felt guilty that like what happened the first time he's going to tell my parents that, that I did that and somehow it's my fault. Right. A lot of sexual abuse victims feel like it's their fault. So they don't tell anybody. Um, at least me. So what happened the second time and this time it was a little bit more, um, it was different this time. Right. So go into the stall again, pull my pants down again, and I'm waiting for him to do his thing. Um, but this time it was different. And, um, um, this time he, uh, he entered me, um, and it was, uh, definitely an experience, right? It was definitely something that you never forget. Um, and I don't, and then it was over, right? And then I, and I don't remember, I don't remember anything. I don't remember going home. I don't know how I hid that from my parents. I don't know. I would assume that it would have hurt me. Um, but I don't, I don't remember anything after that. I don't remember how, um, the rest of that day went. Um, later on in that school year, the, the same situation happened. Um, on the way there this time, he apologized to me for the last incident and uh we proceeded to go into the bathroom again though and um again i felt like i i better do this or you know i'm i'm in trouble right um so we go into the bathroom and uh he didn't ask me to pull down my pants thankfully um but he pulled down his pants and he got himself aroused and he made me, he put it, he made me put it in my mouth, basically. Um, it, he didn't complete the act or anything like that, I guess, you know. I don't know what the situation was. I don't know if, you know, why he couldn't. Maybe I'm not good at doing it. I don't know. I've never been in the situation where I had to do it before, so. Um, you know, he, he didn't finish. So um, that was the last time that that happened. So, um, I don't know like how, how you, um, hide that from your parents. I don't know how you, um, how you, you, you go home every day. I, I think, I think that some, I think that I changed like I, that second time that that second incident, um, I felt myself break, you know, um, as a little boy, like I became a different person from that moment. Like I felt myself like from that point on, I was never going to be the same person that I, whatever path I was on, my path has now changed. I was, I was now a completely different person than I was ever going to be right for better or worse. I don't know. Um, but that was the initial, um, thing that happened to me that led me down the path of, um, depression. And I didn't tell anybody about this till years later, 
recently when my son was around the same age that I was when it happened and it kind of triggered it all again for me. Um, and when I told my parents, like I told my mom about it, right. I didn't want to tell her about it, but it was really, it was haunting me. Right. And I was posting things. I use Facebook as like my journal and I was posting things and people were worried about me and, um, rightfully so. Um, so I went to my mom's house and uh, we were in her, in her kitchen and she was like, she just looked at me. Right. And she said, what's wrong? And I just started crying. Like I just, I lost it. And then as she's hugging me, I'm kind of telling her that again, not saying any names or anything. I said, this happened to me. I didn't tell her all the incidents, but she'll hear it now. This happened to me. And she knew exactly who it was. She said, she said that something changed in me that year. She remembered like something in me changed that year. So, um, you know, I was definitely became a different person than at that young age than I, than I ever was going to be. Um, so let's fast forward a little from that. Let's get away from that, please. And, um, so I go into like my, uh, I don't know. I was in my twenties, I guess. And, um, I've been depressed, but you know, if you're depressed and, um, everybody knows that you wear like this mask, right? When you're depressed, like you, you don't want anybody to know and you're, you know, you're joking around and you're doing whatever you got to do to get through the day, you know, so that nobody knows. Um, so, you know, I've been wearing this mask for so many years now that it was just like, kind of like second nature to me. Um, until like we were. My sister was pregnant with her first daughter, very close to being due. Um, and I remember sitting, hanging out with my friends on, on the step, and my mom was walking down the street. And uh, I don't know why, I don't know why this urge hit me, but like I was having like, um, I was just depressed and, and, and I was having suicidal thoughts, right? Like in my twenties, I was having suicidal thoughts. So, um, for whatever reason, and I never told anybody. And then for whatever reason, I saw my mom and I just walked up and put my arm around her. Um, and she said, what, what are you doing? Right. And I was like, I got to talk to you. And I started crying again. So it's, a, it's, a, I think my mom makes me cry is what we what we're figuring out here. So I put my arm around my mom and I started crying. I said, I need to talk to you. So we went in the house and, um, I told her that I was, you know, depressed and I was sad and I was having like these thoughts and stuff. Um, and my sister was there and I told her, um, so little does my sister know that she said she probably saved my life at that point because she said to me, if you, if you killed yourself, you'll never meet your niece. So my first niece, right? So you'll never meet your niece. And then like I thought like, Oh my God, you're right. I can't do this. Um, and, and then, and then I suppressed it again. Right. So for a couple of years I, I suppressed it and, um, it was, it was easy to do because I've been doing it for so long. I've been putting a mask on for so long, you know, that like nobody knows that I'm like people, maybe I have moments where people are like, Oh, there's something's wrong with him. But for the most part, I was happy-go-lucky um, 
Frankie, right? And I was strong. Everybody saw me as like a, the strong, mentally strong guy. Because um, I leaned on my faith in God at that point to help me through everything. Um, and everybody knew that, like my family knew that. So like they would, people would come to me with like questions and like, Hey, you know, I'm going through some stuff. Can you help me? You know, blah, blah, blah. And because, and then I would give them like a quote from the Bible or something. Right. Um, so I always had that. Right. So I didn't have to like, um, I had to have, I had to be funny. I had to be strong and I had to be not depressed so that everybody in my mind, so that everybody else could live their life and not worry about me. Right. So that's what I did for so long. I did that like for so long. Um, and then fast forward again to like, I don't know, this was kind of, I don't remember again, I don't remember the years, but I'm going to fast forward to the absolute worst year of my life other than when I was young and in grade school, the worst year of my life. Um, now again, depressed through the whole time, never not out of it. Right. Um, and I went, I went to different therapists and stuff and it's for me, uh, therapy wasn't working for me. Like I wasn't getting what I needed out of it. Right. Um, so I would take some pills, um, that they were prescribed to me and they didn't work. So I would just stop taking them. Right. Um, so then fast forward to the worst year of my life. I have a roommate. Right. And, uh, I was hanging out a lot, like leading up to that with John and his family and, you know, the friends and stuff like that. Um, but this year, um, again, was a really bad year for me. Um, my, it, it was compounded by my roommate wasn't in great condition himself. Right. Um, and I surrounded my people that I surrounded myself with people that year that weren't good for me. Um, I met this girl. Um, and through this girl, I developed a cocaine habit. <laughs> um, we would dig through couches for change just to get enough money to get enough to get through the night. Right. Um, it was really bad. It was really bad. I, my brother graduated from. He had his party from the police academy. I don't remember it at all because I was so high. I don't even remember that day at all. The only thing I remember is a picture of me and him because people keep posting on Facebook. And I don't remember it at all. Um, and, I've, and I'm embarrassed about that, right? Like I'm embarrassed that, that that had a control of me that I couldn't even function, you know, to the point where I can enjoy my brother's accomplishment. Um... Um, there was, I'm going to backtrack a little bit now, um, to like, so when you're depressed, it doesn't always, um, depression sometimes is just depression, right? And sadness is sometimes just sadness, right? Depression doesn't only, doesn't mean you're going to try and commit suicide, right? Depression can mean you're just going to have suicidal thoughts. Depression can mean you're just depressed, or depression can mean that you're going to try and commit suicide, right? 
Um, I don't think I ever got to the point where I was actually serious about killing myself. Um, I've been close. Uh, I remember sitting in the bathroom in my mom's house with a razor blade, scratching at myself, right? Um, trying to get the cur- tears in my eyes, trying to get the courage to cut my wrist, right? And just thinking that, you you know, you can't do it, you can't do it. Your mom's going to find you, right? And then that would get me out of it. Um, there was a time where I had, um, I got all these pills from a friend and I was going to take the whole bottle of pills and I was about to take the whole bottle of pills and then somebody called me on the phone. Um, well it was back before cell phones and somebody called my home and, uh, my mom yelled down from me, Frank phone. And, and that was it. I never went back to it. Right. Um, so there was definitely moments I was close. Um, I definitely got into other things, um, cutting. I used to cut myself a lot um, in the shower, um, mostly because sometimes you just want to feel anything different than what you're feeling. Um, But you cut yourself in places where people can't see, so that way it's all part of the mask, right? That people are... um, People, you don't want people to know what you're doing, right? It's embarrassing, and you, and you're trying to keep up this facade as you're a strong person, right? So, go back now to the worst year of my life. Um, I'm addicted to cocaine. I'm drinking every night. I got a roommate who's addicted to drugs. I'm hanging out with a group of people where all they do is do drugs. Um. And then this is where I like, I thank God for John because the only light that I had was when I got to go to, when I left that scene and would go over to his house and like just hang out and watch TV or just hang out and play a video game or whatever it was. Like that was like my escape from like, it was my only normalcy, right? It was the only time that I felt like you have something to live for, dude. Like look at, or look around you. You got friends that care about you. You got, you know, and, and you you always know that people care about you. Like your, your sadness and your depression will tell you lies like all the time. Like it'll always tell you that you're worthless, that you're garbage, that no one loves you, that you're not worth loving. Um, why are you even here? People don't care about you. If they did, you wouldn't be suffering, you know, you go through all of that, all those thoughts and, and it's constant. Those thoughts are constant. Right. And then when you get to a situation like seeing John and hanging out with John and his family and it's like, Oh God, there's a normal life outside of, of that. Right. Um, so that was like a saving grace for me. And through that, through that, through hanging out with John and that group of people, and 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 taking a look at myself like what the fuck dude like you know the heart you smoked pot before you got to this point right but you never would do anything like cocaine or anything like that well now here i am you know i'm i'm addicted to cocaine i'm drinking i'm in a bad spot i have no money i'm always broke um and and my 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 job is like I don't even want to get out of bed because I'm so depressed. Like, 
I was on FMLA, which is family medical leave, just so I can call out of work and not get in trouble for it. Like, I just didn't want to go to work. Or there was days I was just too, I was coming down off of a high and I just couldn't get out of bed. Or I was drunk still. There was times I would, I don't know if I should say this or not, but there was times I would show up to work straight from the bar. Right? Like, and then people would say, hey, you know, I'm in the bathroom throwing up. Yeah, Frankie don't feel good, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and, you know, luckily I had people in my life that, you know, cared enough to like, um, look after me, you know, um, I feel like I'm jumping all over the place, but I I warned everybody this is what I was going to do. Um, so through, through having that normalcy through John and, and that group of friends, um, and, and looking at myself in the mirror, I started, I moved out of that apartment, got back to my parents' house, which is, you know, again, a shot to your ego and your pride. But at the same time, like I, I had to save my life. If I was going to stay, if I was there another month, I don't think I would be here now. Like I would have died, whether it was a cocaine overdose or taking my own life. I was not going to be alive anymore. Um, I, I just needed to get out of that place. I needed to get to a place that felt like people cared about me. Um, so I got back to my home and I started slowly changing my life around. Um, you know, hanging out with John more. I, I totally stopped hanging out with the crowd I was hanging with. Like they all completely faded away once I stopped doing drugs. They were all gone. Um, I stopped that cold turkey. I just said you're not going to do drugs anymore. Like that was it. Um, and then I started like slowly coming out of it. Like you can feel yourself starting to starting to breathe again. Like for me that being depressed and, and being having that, it constantly felt like, um, I was barely keeping my head above water. Like you could feel your, your, your breath, like you're gasping for air, right? Like that's what it constantly felt like. Um, but then to get back to a, a sense of normalcy, it was almost like I could breathe a little bit. Like, um, I could see, it's almost like I was born again, right? Like not like the Christian born again, but like the Oh my god, there's another thing outside of that darkness. So I began to to put my life back together slowly, right? I started taking my job a little bit more serious. Um you know, finished got my degree at the Art Institute, um finished that up. Um I was engaged for a while, but that didn't work out. Um it, it is what it is. Um, and, uh, you know, but that, but once that, that happened, that didn't put me back once me and my fiance broke up, that didn't put me back in a depression, which made me feel stronger and more confident in myself. Right. I was sad. Obviously you're going to be sad. Right. Um, but it didn't put me back in like this crippling depression. Um, and then, um, there was this. Um, person in a friend of the family who for the whole, my whole life, really, from what I can remember, um, would badmouth me, never going to be anything. Um, look at my son, look what he's doing. Um, he's so great, this and that. And I was worthless, right? Even when I got my degree, I think that the comment was, cause my friend would defend me. He'd be like, 
yeah, Frank, you got his degree in this. And they'd be like, yeah, but it's from the Art Institute. Right? So it was kind of like, yeah, but blah, blah, blah. So um, that that beat on my confidence a lot throughout my life, right? Um, but that correlates to, to my job because I felt the same way at my job. Like, no one cared. I was just there to do a paycheck, right? And then I'm going to throw this name out there. I don't know if he's listening or not, um, but Bruce came into my life at a time when I just got married. Um, I have a baby now, right? And and Bruce saw something in me somehow and, and, be, and believed in me and started giving me things and trusting me with things and... Um, you know, he basically supported me like in my career and like gave me great advice. And, you know, like for me, like to have so, like somebody my whole life tell me that you're shit, 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 you know, and people defend me, but you still, people are still saying you're shit, 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 shit. To have this guy at this company when, believe in me, when like everybody else kind of like didn't care meant the world to me. Like, it meant the world to me. It completely changed everything that I thought about myself um, in profession-wise. Like, I never thought I would have a career, right? Like, I never thought that I would... I always thought I would be a guy who goes to work, gets a paycheck. This job goes away, I'll find another job, get another paycheck. But now I have a career, and it's because of this guy believing in me. And, and for me, that was huge, right? So get through all that stuff that I, that I went through, right. The, um, being sexually assaulted, um, the, the drugs, the drinking, the suicide, the, you know, all of that stuff. And to come out on the, over on the other side to like hit the lowest point that you ever been in your life. And then to come out on the other side and find a wonderful woman who loves you with all your flaws and everything, have a child with that person, raise that person, have a person believe in you so much that he gives you this whole operation to run by yourself, you know, because he believes in you that much. To It's amazing to the point where, you know, now you can start chasing your other dreams, right? Like now you can have 215 Live and you can uh, be a, a, a part of a management team at a podcast thing outside of your normal job, right? And then the to now be able to have this show where I'm at a point now where I can talk about this to people and, and not feel ashamed about it and not feel sad about it. And to kind of be like, listen, this is what happened. This is who I am. Scars and all it it is what it is. Um, but I got to this point, like I made it and I know that there's a million people with a similar story and some of them didn't make it, you know, some of them are listening now, maybe, you know, um, so to be able to talk to those people and to, and to, and to possibly be a voice in their head when they're going to scratch their wrist with a razor, right? To say, yeah, Frankie had the power to not do it. Maybe I can have the power not to do it because look, he came out on the other side of this thing. You know, maybe I can come out on the other side of this thing because there's hope, man. Like there's hope at, no matter what you're going through. On the other side of that, if you just hold on for a little bit longer, like tomorrow might be your day. It might not be today, but tomorrow could be your day. 
or it could be the next day, or a week from now, or a month from now, or, or five years from now, whatever it is. You don't know when that's going to be. So to give up on that, it, it's not fair to you. It's not fair to the people close to you. And it's not fair to the world. Like, you know, look at Anthony Bourdain, right? The guy went, you know, he had a rough life, you know, and, and it, it goes to show you it doesn't matter your status, right? Depression is a motherfucker, dude. It'll tell you you're you're this top guy in this profession, but guess what? You still ain't shit. You know what? And you start to believe that. You believe, man, this thing is right. Like, look at me, you know? And then you, you, you do it. You just, you take your life, you know? I feel fortunate. Like, I've had angels in my life throughout my life, you know, whether it be my sister or John or my wife or my son or Bruce or, you know, and obviously my mother and father, you know, that have been there every step of the way with me, like through good and bad, you know, um, to me, that's just kind of like, that's important to, to realize what's around you and to, and to let those people in, you know, um, Listen, I'm going to take a break real quick, gather myself here, and then uh, we'll be back on the other side. Welcome back, everybody, to the Broken Hearts Club. Uh, I hope everybody caught their breath. Um, We're going to bring this baby in for a landing soon. Um, I just wanted to touch on a, a couple of other things. Again, I wanted to revisit the the, the crisis numbers. Um, the National Hope Network, 1-800-784-2433. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255. RAIN, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, 1-800-656-4673. The Trevor Project for the LGBTQ community, 1-866-488-7386. There's also a couple that I didn't mention I want to mention now. There's um, the Treatment Referral Hotline for Substance Abuse. Um, That's actually an organization that was established by Congress, and they basically want to reduce the the impact of uh, substance abuse and sexual abuse. And you can reach them at 1-800-662-4300. Five seven, and the last one is I know that there's a lot of veterans um, that suffer from um, post traumatic stress disorder and and things of that and like that, um, and they have a, a veterans crisis veterans crisis line that's one eight hundred two seven three talk, and then you want to hit option one on that um, to get help. Again, if if you need help, get help. It, I mean, it's the the best thing to do is to talk to somebody, and I'm not here to tell you that you need to talk to a therapist or a psychiatrist or any of that stuff, just talk to somebody um, because your story is important. Um, your story needs to be heard. And by telling your story, you kind of like bear, bear yourself, you bear your soul and like you get it out there. Right. And you, you can't begin to heal until you begin to tell your story. Like you're not going to heal yourself if you're just holding everything in. Um, you got to get it out there and you got to make it known. And who knows, maybe in the course of that, you're helping somebody else, um, which is an amazing thing to do. Um, 
I saw a thing today, and it was from um, it was a, a report from 2016. I think it's the last time they did this was the the National Institute of Mental Health, the NIH. Um, in 2016, there was 45 thousand suicides in the United States, which is, I think it was, um, the, the 10th leading cause of death in the United States that year. Like that's an unbelievable amount of people taking their own lives in like random ways, like, you know, whether it's with a firearm or drugs or strangulation or, or, or whatever it is, right? Like that's an amazing, that's 45,000 people who will never reach what their potential was going to be. That's 45,000 people whose family will never see them again. That's 45,000 people who could have touched other people's lives. One of those 45,000 people could have been the person that cures cancer or could have been the per- it could have just been the person that you were going to marry. You know, it could have been a person that you were going to bump into on the street and had a conversation with, or it just could have been somebody you smiled at. Like those are 45,000 people that we're never going to know because for whatever reason, whatever, whatever drove them to that point, like whether it was everything we talked about, sexual abuse, drug addiction, um, just the overall depression or, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I don't know if it's something that triggers it or if it's something that you're born with. I know like if you like talk to a therapist, like I, I've done, I've been to therapy, um, you know, they'll tell you that maybe you got a chemical imbalance. Like maybe that's it. Like I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know why people are depressed. I know why I was depressed, you know, and I'm not saying I'm not anymore. You know, I'm, again, it's a, it's an illness. It's not like, um, like, like if you have cancer, you're not going to say, yeah, just get over it. Right. Like it's an, it's an illness, you know, and it's obviously it's not as, you know, it's not an immune system illness. Right. Um, it's not going to attack your, you know, internally, but it's going to attack you mentally. Um, it's something that you need to, to take care of. You can't ignore it. It doesn't go away. Like, trust me, it doesn't go away for my whole life. I've had it still have it. You know, I'll wake up some days and I'm just like, ah, I can't do it. I can't do it today, world. Like, then there's other days I wake up and I'm like, fuck you, world. I'm going to step on your balls today. Get out of my way. You know, like you don't, you never know what's going to, you never know what that, when you're going to wake up and, and, and you're going to feel that sadness. And, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if I feel that I'm going to call one of these numbers, you know, I'm going to get help. Like if I feel like I'm going to slip back into that suicidal thought you know or or you know if it's something i can't pull myself out of you know you got to talk to people you're not going to get you're not going to pull yourself out of it you know you might be able you might for a week or two maybe even a month you might be like oh i'm okay i'm not too bad because maybe something good happened to you right got a promotion you're feeling pretty good about yourself but that depression is always going to be there man and and you got to take care of it you gotta you gotta talk to people you know there's just, there's too many, there's too many things to live for in this life. And even if you look around yourself and you feel like you don't have that, you got something, man. You got, you got your life, you know, like that's important. Like it's fleeting too. Like it's fleeting. I, when this thing happened to me, I was, you know, I was in, I was in elementary school. 
I'm 43 years old now and I'm still going through it. Right. But it's, it, it went so quick. It went so fast, you know, from, from that happening to being at this point right now, it went so fast, you know, it's a fleeting life and you got to live it and you got to, you got to take care of yourself, whether it's mentally, physically, whatever you got to do, you got to take care of yourself. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here um, before I start rambling and crying again. Um, but I just want to thank a couple of people real quick. And I'm, I don't, I'm trying not, I'm not leaving anybody out. Uh, there's certain people that I wanted to thank for this. Um, obviously, John, for um, being here today just to, for a moral support. Um, Taylor for uh, spending time with me tonight. Um, I want to thank Matt Kubler for kicking me in my ass to uh, really get this thing in motion because I wasn't going to do it really until I talked to him. And then he was like, you got to tell your story. So I want to thank Matt for, uh, for doing that. I want to thank my, you know, my family for always standing by me and my wife, you know, for, she's got to put up with a lot of shit, dude. <laughs> like, you know, she's got to put up, she had to put up with a lot with me going through this and, and for her to give me the space I need to deal with it and to do this. It was, it's really amazing. Um, so I just wanted to thank her. Um, I don't know if she's going to listen to this or not. I told her maybe you might not want to listen to it. But she probably did. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I'll talk to her when I get home. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's it, man. Like, I think I'm going to wrap this up. Um, we're going to do this once a month. Um, I think that's all I could take <laughs> is once a month. And then uh, next episode, we're going to have somebody else's story. And uh, hopefully you tune in. And thank you for all the support on social media. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Love you guys. Bye.